0: Hello and welcome to a star to steer her by Star Trek podcast, brought to you by Ovaltine. <laughs> it's not chocolatey; it's garbage.
1: It's Ovaltine. Of a bitch.
2: Ha! <laughs> you beat me to it.
3: Hey, someone had to. Just imagine if you sponsored us; your shitty advertisement could be right here.
0: Yeah, it's true. Nobody sponsors us anymore after that that my pillow incident. <laughs> My name is Jake and I'm joined by Chris,
3: Ames, and Caitlin.
0: And this week we'll be talking about two episodes of Star Trek, the next Deep Space Nine. <laughs> First of which is going to be the Visitor. Second of which is going to be Hip, Hip, Hip,
3: Hip Hop, Hip Anonymous, Hipp-
0: Hipp- Hipp- Hippocrates, Hippocratic Oath. Right. Um, nailed
3: it. What number we You can't we spell on?
0: Hippocratic Oath without writing hippo. I didn't know that.
3: Aw. I actually thought Hippocratic had one P, but uh, I also realized that Ames was just running it out on the fly, so I'm not I'm not calling anybody out. I just, I thought maybe it was one P, but I could be wrong. It has two P's. Does it really? I had no idea. Just wow. like a and, you're,
2: and you
0: were a anyway, classics major. Um, so yeah, anyway, it so does. first of all. Sorry,
1: Ames. What, wait, what number are we on, Jig?
0: This is on episode 182. Ah! Wow, Great. 182 times you've been disappointed.
1: <laughs> much, much more.
0: Yeah. So first off, we'll talk about The Visitor. In The Visitor, it opens with a strange old man played by Tony Todd.
1: Yay! Also
0: known as Kern and the Candyman. And he's taken drugs. Uh, and his doorbell rings. And this hot young thing walks in. And she's like, hey, are you... Jake Sisko? Buh? we learn that it is indeed old Jake Sisko. And that he's a he's a famous writer. But he's only written two books. What well, the fuck, Jake, get on it. Uh Ooh, he's great got, books. Yeah, great books. One of them was called uh, uh, uh Anslum, is that right? Anslum, yes.
3: yeah.
0: Uh and the other one was a work of collected short stories. And she's like, so like not
3: even really a book. I mean, I mean it's bound. I know. I'm
0: I'm really, I'm really
3: kidding. I'm really kidding.
0: So anyway, she's like, listen, you know, I love your books. You're my favorite author. I just got to know what. Why'd you stop? Because you know, I want to become an author, and I don't want to be a complete failure like you. So (laughs) any tips you could give me would really help. And he's like, well, well, since you're here, I might as well tell the story.
1: Wow. So not his voice.
0: I. After I came back to Earth, I moved to Brooklyn and adopted this accent. Hey! I and I became Italian. Italian.
3: <laughs> Can thing I just do it a like, pizza? Thing is, though, it's like he moved to, what, Louisiana and adopted that accent. Yeah. Because he was he, definitely he serving have a play. He did have a
0: bit of an accent, but whatever. So this is a flashback episode where old Jake Sisko tells a story about how his dad, also known as Benjamin Sisko, kind of died, but not really. We'll uh, we'll get into that. So anyway, what he says is, you know, back way back in the day when I was a teenager, I was 18 and uh, we were on the ship. We were going to go watch a subspace bullshit with the wormhole and uh, some shit went down. Dude passed out in engineering and my dad fixed it. But then right as he fixed it, he got zapped by the warp core and vaporized. And that's pretty rough. And we see all that. So then, you know, obviously it's really sad. There's a big funeral, big memorial service. And then a few months go by and uh, Cisco shows up, just appears in Jake's bedroom for a few minutes and then vanishes. And everyone's like, yeah, you crazy kid. So a couple more months go by. He appears again. And then this time they may other people see him and they bring him to sick bay and and, uh, they're like, yeah, yeah, you're you're Cisco. All right. What the fuck? Uh, and they figure out that he's trapped in subspace. So the subspace bullshit that the wormhole was doing, apparently, when he got zapped by the warp core, it sucked him into subspace, and that's where he's trapped. Now, what's interesting is, time passes normally in regular space, but it, it doesn't pass for Cisco. so every time he appears, even though it's months and years later, he stays the same age. It's only It's been no time for him, but it is time for Jake. So we see, you know, as Jake, throughout his life, he gets older and older, eventually he has to leave... The station, because the Klingons took it over. Jerks. Uh, and he figures, well, all right, well, you know, I, I saw my dad every couple of years. He would appear for a few seconds and disappear. But, you know, he only appeared at the station because of the wormhole. So I guess it's over. I guess I'll become a writer. So he does that. He becomes a writer. He gets married. You know, he's got the, the sexy Bajoran wife. They're living on Earth in Louisiana. Nice house. Real nice house, actually. Yeah. Um.
1: Looks like it could make a great haunted house.
0: Yeah, good, good. And he thinks everything's going good. He's transformed into Tony Todd, and he's like <laughs> like 40-ish. You know, his wife's like, now doing let's let's have dinner or whatever. And as they're leaving the room, who should appear? But Ben Sisko.
3: What? Dad? What are you doing here?
0: So it's very emotional. What are you
3: doing, the accent? Oh, dad. <laughs> hey, dad! Daddy
2: O <laughs> I'm um,
3: Joe Pesci,
0: played by Tony Todd. So anywho, um, Cisco's like, tell me, tell me what happened. Tell me about your life. Tell me about your wife. That, thats Great my Cisco. best Cisco. And he's like, Dad, you know, well, we haven't had kids yet. And then, anyway, Cisco disappears again, and this reignites the obsession in Jake. Jake's mind, and he becomes completely, singularly focused on getting his dad back. Now, he realizes that, uh, you know, that it's him that that it's tied to, and not the station. So, uh, he gives up his writing, his wife leaves him, we find out, and, uh, and eventually they try to recreate the conditions of the original thing, and they go to the wormhole. During the next subspace inversion, he's like 70, and everybody else is really old. Dax is there, and Julian, and everyone. Nog's the captain now, uh, and his face is melted partly for some reason. That's how far he age. Yeah, I guess so. You've seen Zach. That's true. They just melt cisco sure enough appears but and they think they're gonna be able to yank him back but it doesn't work he ends up disappearing anyway and jake's upset about it, and he's like that was the last chance well it turns out that wasn't the last chance meanwhile as he's telling the story and the frame story the girls left now and jake's like well it's my last chance to get, save my dad and uh he's a really old man now and sure enough cisco appears one last time and he's like jaco hey you wrote another book great and Tony Todd's like, "Yeah, Dad," and read the dedication. Ah, oh, to my father, who's about to watch me die. Wait, what does this mean? <laughs> um, and uh, so, sure enough, uh, the drugs that uh, he was doing at the beginning was poison. And uh, he, because he's fig- he's worked out that uh, if he dies, Jake dies while he's with Cisco. Mumbo jumbo. <laughs> Cisco goes back to the moment of the accident and uh, they get their years back.
1: Very slow-acting poison.
0: Yeah, well, you know, it was like a few hours, right? Anyway, it happens. He dies. We jump back to the point where Cisco got zapped. He jumps out of the way. Older Cisco evidently remembers all the events, but, of course, young Jake does not. And, uh, yeah, end of episode.
3: Yay! This was such a good episode. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's, like, stunningly
1: written. It's the kind of episode that you feel like isn't even necessarily, like, a Star Trek episode just because it's just so solid. It's not about Star Trek things, really.
3: Well, they managed to work in a little bit of, like, completely unfollowable science to make it work out. But... <laughs> Good.
1: I'm glad. Yeah, yeah there's <laughs> know a I
0: McGuffin mean? but... to start things off. Yeah, but the it.
1: thing that's the thing that's really spotlighted and on display here is the father-son relationship between the Cisco's, which is yeah. the most one of the most lovely things about the whole show.
2: I kind of yeah, I was looking at it and I was sort of wondering, you know, I, I have so far been lucky enough to not be in this situation, but I kind of wonder if it's meant to be sort of allegorical for losing someone to dementia when like, you know, they had those moments of lucidity and that's sort of what's represented by the times Cisco reappears.
3: Oh, that's um, really interesting. And
2: obviously it's, you know, got this science fiction angle where, you know, Jake is getting older and older and this and that, but, but that, you know, when you're with someone, you know, from what I understand, you know, it's like when they have these lucid moments for them, you know, there's just these moments and then they're with their family, they recognize them for a bit. And, um, you know, and of course, for the family, their life has been going on, but for the patient, it's really you know, it's a lot of time is spent just sort of in this haze, not knowing what's going on, who anyone is, and I was kind of wondering if you know maybe that was on their minds when they were writing this.
1: I'm gonna say no, but that's it's it is a very good point because yeah, that is a lot really hard. Having uh, as someone who watched their their grandmother taken by dementia, it uh, is incredibly oops. incredibly hard.
3: Oops, no, I didn't sorry. know. Sorry. Yeah. That's what happened uh, with my stepdad's dad, too.
1: Wolf, yeah, it it's no horrible. fun. No, in fact, I happened to read that the, that the writer, Michael Taylor, whom fans thought was secretly Michael Piller and Jerry Taylor's joint pseudonym because the episode was so good, <laughs> that they were like, it can't be some new guy that we've never heard of yet. No, it must be them. But in fact, it's uh, Michael Taylor, who will go on to write some of the really good episodes of Voyager. Hmm. Uh, his original thought was to follow Cisco and only have brief glimpses of Jake throughout. Hmm. Before he realized, like the actual interesting story is watching the ma- the the character who's left behind. Yeah. Which like, I but... think is the much much more interesting way to do it too. Yeah, because oh. like,
2: what would it have been, Cisco, just like
1: hanging out in a haze, twiddling
3: his thumbs in the white room?
1: If it's subspace, does he get to see bits of Odo that's shut to
3: subspace subspace every so often? Ooh. <laughs> mm. Is that the first time we've seen subspace? Yes.
2: Well, and that might not even be subspace specifically as, as some weird pocket dimension it created.
3: Yeah, it's funny God, because when,
1: when Jake and Sisko are briefly both in subspace and Jake asks, where are we? I couldn't tell if it was if um, Ben Sisko hadn't actually like noticed this place before.
2: I was under the impression he hadn't.
1: Yeah, because I know, like, time hasn't been changing for him, so why would he be in a room?
2: Yeah, I think it was somehow yeah. just the fact that they were both there made him cognizant of his surroundings in a way he yeah, hadn't I, been before.
0: I assumed it was, like, some space in between, you know, where it was, like... Because Jake hadn't completely gone into subspace either. He was just sort of in transition. Yeah.
1: It, just long enough to say, son, I'm really disappointed in you. Bye! <laughs> <laughs> Go write a
2: book, damn it! Uh, yeah, now this episode, like, I I, uh, I hate feeling things, and it made me yeah. feel things.
1: Yeah, I I teared up twice, once once you know watching poor Chirac Laughlin like uh, deal with the father's death, and then the end, which is stunning.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I this is actually one I remember. Like there's some I'm hazy on, there's some I'm like maybe I never. This one I remember, and even knowing what was happening and what was gonna be the result, it was still had a very strong impact, which I think is that's a sign of a really well done kind of emotional episode. Is when it works a second time, because mm-hmm. sometimes something can be real the first time. You're like, oh man, wow, but then when you kind of know it's coming, it can still be affecting, but not as much.
1: Yeah, Inner Light does that to me every single time, because it's got such a such a beautiful ending kind of thing, and this one is very similar to Inner because now Sisko is left with these memories mm. of watching old man Jake die in front of him, which is yeah. terribly, like, shocking.
3: Well, but in a way it gives him an interesting perspective that like most parents won't have, right? Yeah. Because most, I mean, the the natural order of things is that, you know, unfortunately you lose your parents and then you die of old age. Not like you die of old age with your parents because then your parents would be a very old age. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it's, I mean, I don't know, I don't have anything else to say about it. I just think that like it's, it's interesting because that's yeah. not something you'd normally see.
1: I'm curious if we'll actually see the effects on Sisko in future episodes. I'm curious if he actually told Jake any of this.
0: That's a good question. I don't know that he would, really.
1: Yeah, I do know know. that there is a novel where they happen to run into Corona, who is um, Jake's future wifeling thing from an alternate timeline. Mm. And Ben Sisko's like, ah, that chick, I remember her. And (laughs) Jake's like, why? No reason. You should go talk to her.
3: I've uh, wow. seen her OnlyFans page.
0: Jake's uh, just motorboating a dabble girl.
2: That's, right. And that's the thing is we don't even know. He may not have, uh, what what old Jake does might not even erase that timeline. He may have just created a new one.
0: Wild. Yeah, well, Wild. I mean, that's the thing. That's, that's what's kind of sad is that poor uh, Melanie there, you know, she's, what what happens to her? Well, that's what I mean. I mean,
2: clearly the timeline is very different in this universe, so the events that brought her about may never have happened.
1: Does anyone know who Melanie is? I, mean, I actually. Who the, who the actress Melanie is.
2: I had meant to look her up, and I just did while Jake was doing the summary. Oh, but you please, son of a bitch. You go. All right.
1: Well, I you don't go. know. Caitlin, go.
3: No, I was saying I don't know.
1: Okay. Melanie is played by Rachel Robinson, the daughter of Andrew Robinson.
0: Oh. Who is Garrick?
1: Who is Garrick? No nepotism involved apparently. They had a, they saw a lot of people audition for this character and they were like, No her, she's great. Oh, she's Andy's daughter? Even better.
2: Yeah, That's no. I awesome. thought she, she was quite natural. Cause it, it it can be a little hard to do sort of young, wide-eyed and enthusiastic and not come off as cloying, but I yeah, think no, she, she did, did a good job.
1: She did a great job. I think the one thing that oh, I'm less just... of a fan of this episode, which I'm otherwise like a giant fan of this episode, because it's so brilliantly written. Is her role because she just walks in on a dark mm. and stormy night? Because they always do. Yeah. Just to talk to her mentor, and it's like, guys, I'm not seeing a ton of motivation there. She just walks yeah. in, like she she didn't like call or email beforehand. And what exactly does she want? She just wants to talk. Well,
0: so really, wait, did what they, this they is? Did,
1: did
3: they actually already know each other? It was my no, impression no, that they no, didn't. No, oh, okay. Didn't. okay. Okay. Okay.
0: But I think now, now knowing a little bit more, and especially knowing that she's Garrick's daughter, um, <laughs> this is probably an Obsidian Order plot. I just spit on my computer. Damn it! Because obviously, in the timeline here, the Klingons won whatever war they were having because they took over DS9 and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Never
1: hear of the Dominion again.
0: So I'm assuming that they also basically wiped out the Cardassians. So Garrick had his daughter surgically altered to look human. Okay. They figured out the subspace thing and were like, listen, you got to get to the Cisco house. You got to kill Jake Cisco <laughs> as soon as as soon as Ben Cisco appears. That way, the timeline will be fixed and, you know, we'll
1: And with Ben Cisco there, we'll definitely win against the Klingons.
0: Exactly. We need Actually, Cisco. I'm
1: following this. I'm actually so, following this.
0: And then when she realized, wait a minute, I don't need to kill him. He's going to kill himself. Fuck it. I'm out of here.
1: I'm going to take uh, his book with me, though.
0: I think she was probably still hiding out in the bushes with a with a, um you know, with a rifle. But yeah,
1: just, just in, in case. case. Sure. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: But yeah. I imagine even Jake was probably under the impression that, again, he was he wasn't so much erasing this reality as as creating a splinter because he did give her his book. So he's expecting her to continue to exist in some capacity.
1: Or or he gave her his book because he knew it wasn't going to matter at all.
3: One or the I, other. I guess I assumed that he just thought that because he was the tether, releasing his dad would just let him find peace. I don't think I necessarily thought he would know that it would make a time jump. No,
0: he no, does he, does. he, he tell because he, he even tells Ben jump out of the way of the Oh yeah, yeah. That's right. of the bolt. Okay, never mind. I withdraw back.
3: my statement. Yeah, I forgot about that. Hmm.
0: And Jake, uh, though,
2: hard worker, going back to college in his late 30s and going into science when he'd been a liberal arts guy his whole life.
1: I mean, when mm. you live this long, and I think you have all the resources that you have in the Federation, you can, like, I think there's a, there's a, a, a not a study, but a, um, an anecdote somewhere that, you know, it takes you seven years to become an expert in any field. Yeah. So in a lifetime, you could become an expert in, like, five different fields. Yeah, I just, shows. like,
2: I mean, me, I'm just, I am not smart enough, like, even if I had infinite resources, I could not wrap my head around, like, biology if I wanted.
1: I bet you could. In yeah. the future, you definitely could, because I'm sure you've got, true. like... Yeah, like, you
2: just take some brain pills. Yeah, be
1: yeah. Do the... cortical
2: stimulators.
1: Learn it in your dreams or something.
2: Yeah. Just fucking... Oh, man. I wonder if there's a black market for just, like, learning shit off of Vulcan's. Just yes, hmm. find a Vulcan who's an expert in a field you want to know and have him do a mind meld with you. oh, that's brilliant like even if it doesn't give you a permanent sort of expertise, maybe you have enough sort of basis that you remember that it makes learning it easier for yourself.
3: That's interesting.
0: What about you could do like mind meld sex
3: wow like in
2: demolition, man exactly,
3: or uh sensate. Never saw that. that one I haven't either, but the one th- well, actually no, I saw an episode, but I understand there's some weird orgy that they all take part in because of their psychic link, basically, but it's really just between two of them I don't really know I don't what remember something about sex
2: Sexy. I, I so there's you know one one scene that stood out to me in a, an episode of many standout scenes was uh with Kira and Jake in the pylon. In mm. the, the really interesting way they kind of backlit
1: it. Yeah, the lighting in that scene is beautiful. Yeah, it really yeah.
2: accentuated
0: her new costume, huh, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> Wise ass.
1: Jake found the best segue.
2: It was really natural and subtle. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. Cause, but yeah, no, because it was like I don't know who did it, but it was like just backlit enough to give it this weird, almost ethereal quality. But you could still see enough of their faces that like their expressions came through well enough, and it was just. Everyone who like had to have a really strong moment in this episode came through. I, like I was really impressed. Like I never had anything against. uh, Is it Shirok? How do you pronounce his first name? I think Chirac is. I
3: think it's Shirok.
1: I've, I've only been ever seen Jake's lead, but I should look it up. Uh,
3: it's it's pronounced Nana.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. But young Mr. Lofton there, I've never had anything against him, but I think there were some stand they don't he's never had to be like this level of emotional before, and I was very impressed because I was like Cause again, he's never had to show that before, so who knows if he, and he thank could have. He could
1: definitely grow up to be Tony Todd, who is yeah. fucking amazing in this.
2: Yeah, yeah, and thank God that DS9's old age makeup is better than TNG's.
1: Well, thank God they didn't actually just cast Shirok as his older self, because that yeah. would have been a mistake.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I gotta say, yeah. even though the makeup is still pretty good, fucking old Julian still is That ridiculous. voice. That he did the voice, voice again. He did.
1: Ah, oh, his old man Yoda voice. God damn it, Julian.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like, he looks good, but he sounds ridiculous. They did a really good job with, uh, with Jet Zia's makeup, too. Yeah. yeah. Like, it was really convincing, and yep. Nog was melting. Yes, yeah. I, I was kind of disappointed we didn't get to see old Miles. It would been interesting to see what they would have done there.
3: Oh, they I have, have changed a note on anything. that. Anything? <laughs> they Miles they actually, definitely died. Oh
1: yes, uh, no, they actually had to cut a bunch of scenes uh, that would have been in the future area because Cole Meany was off shooting a movie and all this bullshit. Oh. so they had to cut some of those scenes, and then they originally were going to film, or you know, we're going to produce Hippocratic Oath first, and then The Visitor. But because he had to go off to, do, to shoot a film, they flip-flopped the production order of them mm. so that they would you know, have him available because he's very central in Hippocratic Oath. Yes. Makes sense. Uh, but it also meant that René Aubergenois got pissed off about this because he was supposed to direct The Visitor, but he got shifted to directing Hippocratic Oath because even though the episodes flip-flopped, the directors didn't flip-flop.
0: They probably just book directors for time periods. Right? Yeah, 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 it's an
1: it's an order thing, it sounds like. Uh, and yeah. he was all prepared. He was preparing, like, whoa, to direct the visitor. And they're like, nope, you're going to do this other one instead. Goodbye!
3: Well, as much as I am sad because I never like to think that Odo is upset, this episode was, like, so perfect that I'm glad that it happened that way. Like, not that he wouldn't have done a great job. It's just, it's... I don't know. I feel it's like... hard to imagine it any other way. There would definitely be differences. And it's just... I
2: feel like going from his previous experience of Ferengi Wacky Time episodes straight to this without a middle step might have been tricky. Mm.
3: Yeah, who, yeah. Who did direct this one? David
1: Livingston, who's one of the very common uh, directors on the show. Is that
2: the same Livingston the fish is named after? Or is that a different uh, Livingston?
1: I don't know. I want to say a different one. Okay. But I might be wrong.
2: And yes, as Jake so subtly mentioned, Kira had her new uniform, which I hate so yeah. much.
1: Yeah, I am I mostly hate, because I really would have to look at it pretty closely to to, to notice much of the differences, because I don't notice these things. But I really, really just hate the rationality for why they changed her uniform, which was to make her look more feminine and thus less antagonistic, which is, fuck you. Yeah, fuck
2: Yeah, you. I mean, Kira's whole thing is she...
1: She's a spitfire.
2: Yeah. Also, like, just from a purely aesthetic standpoint, like, the gross reasoning aside, like, I miss the fact that the sleeves, were because on an original one, her sleeves and shoulder pads are, like, a darker red than the rest of the uniform. And it yeah. was a nice sort of offset.
1: Yeah, this but one's now it's all just, the same, yeah. Yeah. Very and samey.
2: It's, and it's not a great shade of red without some sort of counterpoint.
1: Yeah. It'll uh, be one thing, because I know it's also like the current iteration is also more comfortable for Nana, which would be a fine reason in, of, yeah. of, in and of itself to change the uniform, but then to go and say, oh, we're doing this to, like, girl her up, and they put, like, she's going to be in heels from now on. It's like, <sighs> that's so impractical for someone like Kira.
2: She runs a lot.
1: He skips so. and prances and plays. Mm.
2: Cool.
0: Speaking of uniforms, did, uh, I, it, it, I don't know if this is for sure. But the, were the future Starfleet uniforms, the same ones, or similar to what we saw in All Good Things? Yes, I'm pretty sure, are. yeah. Yeah, they okay. are. Can at I least they
1: similar.
0: Can I just say, they done goofed here? Can Why? I?
1: Yeah. Why?
0: Uh, well, technically. So All Good Things was supposed to be roughly 2025 20, years in the future of the end of TNG, right? <laughs> Is
1: that how the time worked yeah, out? Yeah, it sounds right. Oh yeah, because it would be roughly what what time it is now in Picard,
0: right? Yeah, but in Cisco Land, it's fifty years. It was fifty years plus when we first see Nog. When Nog visits Jake at his house, he's wearing a TNG style uniform.
1: Yeah, I was very confused. Which should have been about
0: the same time as All Good Things, because he was because he's like, oh yeah, I told you that twenty years ago. I should have been in. At the worst, he should have been. Well, obviously, they haven't probably designed the Voyager slash first contact uniforms yet. No, Voyager um, says the DS nine uniforms. Yeah, the the. But you know what I mean.
1: Yeah. There's a, there's another iteration of the DS nine uniform. Yeah. Yes. So they but wouldn't. But they have, wouldn't know that yet. They mm-hmm.
0: wouldn't know that yet. So I I don't I excuse them that. But what I don't understand is why I feel like Nog should have been in the All Good Things uniform, twenty years in the future, and then. Probably another 30 years after that, or whatever. Or actually, no, Jake says it's only 14 years.
1: Yeah, because he's like 30-something.
0: He was 37 when Cisco appeared in the house. Asking about
1: grandkids. I want them grandkids. He was late
0: 30s then, and then when he sees him again on The Defiant, he says, how long has it been? And it's been 14 years. So that means that he's only... 50 something 50 51 52, 52
1: one plus two plus one which means one. that
0: the subspace inversion only happened what 33 years after the last subspace inversion but they said it but we were told 50. it should be 50 years is there are we missing is there a missing cisco appearance I don't know. Did they Maybe? cut like a whole Cisco appearing Maybe segment? I'm going to
1: blame Colmini. Maybe that was one of the things they would have had in the Colmini scene, but because he was off doing a movie.
3: Which movie do we know?
1: I don't. I could check, but I'm not going to. Yeah, because no, if that was it's supposed to
0: only would. be 33 years after the first subspace inversion, yeah. which is in present day, then For- I feel like... Jadzia and Julian look way older than they should. They should only be in their 60s.
2: Yeah, some of the math doesn't work. They look like
0: they were in their 80s at least.
1: How do Trills age? Do we know? Well,
0: that, yeah, that we don't know. Well, we've seen Curzon, right? He was fucking old. How old? I think, well, because he knew Kor and Kodos in their heyday, so he's got to be at least 100. Oh, that's
1: true. Yeah. Well, regardless of timeline, which is math. I, I kind of wonder if they just didn't have one of the DS Nine uniforms in Aaron Eisenberg's size.
2: Yeah, but why I mean, did they have a TNG one? Was it, it was, was prob- it the you one who probably was, it was?
0: probably yeah, it's probably <laughs> Picard's from Rascals.
1: I did like that his head shield matched.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah.
1: I continue to appreciate. Um, but they made Nog him a uniform more more for. Uh, That's great.
0: They made him a uniform for all good things. So. I mean, you know, an All Good Things style uniform for when he's the captain on the Defiant. Yeah, it's true. Interesting. Hmm.
2: But yeah, it was probably just, they probably just had those uniforms lying around and said, fuck it, it's cheaper. Yeah.
0: Anyway, so yeah, they fucked the timeline, it sounds like, but whatever. That's a...
3: Well, my big concern was the Zia Dax situation. I know this is obviously, I don't know what season seven spoiler, but... I know that Jedzia Dax doesn't make it to the end of the series because the internet exists and the show is old. Well, so now obviously, that, now I, that
1: Cisco's back, it's obviously his fault.
0: Yeah, but Could here's be. the thing. I don't want to spoil mo- much more, but the events that lead up to her death perhaps didn't happen in this Timeline, right? Because things happen differently with Bejor. Things happen differently with Cardassia, and, and things ups. obviously happen differently with the Dominion. So all of those pretty big things.
3: Oh no, no, totally. And when when the sh- when the episode ended and they went back, I was like, oh okay, yeah. But I wasn't really certain like how they were gonna. I mean, I knew they had to do something to tie it up because obviously there's three more seasons of this show, R- most of a fourth season as well, really, right? So like, I knew. I was I was interested to see how they were going to settle it up. Yeah. Because I was well, like, we'll I know see, that at least I isn't think. right. Not that they would know that in the fourth season, but...
0: Right. But also that, you know, just how much is going to play out differently. Because, you know, we don't know, obviously, a lot of specifics about the world, but we know that the Dominion obviously isn't as big a deal as we think it might become in, you know, in our timeline. Yeah. So maybe without Cisco there... Maybe they did blow up the wormhole. Who knows? Oh, no, they didn't, because we no, see yeah, it. They do the subspace yeah. inversion. Yeah, I don't know. Like, why has the Dominion not done anything?
2: Yeah. It was interesting that uh, Jake was saying, he was explaining that, like, Cisco's death, you know, was seen as a sign that the Majorans had to, like, do this and that. I was like, how much of that was fucking Kai Wynn?
0: <laughs> you know, just
2: not having someone who was going to stand there and tell her to get fucked.
0: Yeah, the Bajoran signing a mutual defense pact with the Cardassians is certainly an interesting development. Yeah,
1: oh, I surprised,
0: like it. Uh, First Minister Shakar uh, went for that.
2: Yeah, it's like, geez, is it, I, I guess it's a the devil you know situation. I don't know. Shakar seemed pr- he they must Win must have assassinated him, him
0: yeah, or something he, yeah. because there's no way a former Bajoran resistance guy is going to go for a defensive pact with the fucking Cardies. Yeah. Jesus.
2: Like, I think I'd rather have the Klingons. Well, it sounds like they get both in the end. Probably. I mean, we, I don't know. We've never really established exactly what it's like in the Klingon Empire. For all we know, after they've murdered most of your people and taken over, it could be perfectly reasonable to live under them. Yeah. Whereas living under the Cardassian sounds fucking horrible.
0: Yeah, I'm assuming that... There, Like, there's no human rights issues with the Klingons generally, just because, well, I don't know, I say this, but I don't think necessarily that the Federation would be as close with the Klingons as they are if there were as many human rights concerns. But now that I'm thinking about it, now the Federation doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, no. like, do you
2: remember <laughs> what's that episode with Riker there? Yeah, this is true. Or that episode where, like, oh, we're 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 not allied with anyone in this planet with this terrorism issue, but we do help one side specifically, but we're not allied or involved. Mm. But also, I, I imagine like just culturally, like, it feels like there's more Klingon culture, yeah. Whereas the Cardassian culture seems to be the state,
0: and like the Klingon the, and Klingon culture. Also seems more compatible with Bajoran culture, just from like a spiritual perspective. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah.
1: I just wonder you know. that we're also not seeing a ton of uh, of Cardassian culture because we don't have Cardassians in their culture as main characters. Well, like, we, we don't... We've seen tons of Klingon uh-huh. cultures because we have Worf going and doing Klingon stuff. We don't yeah. have any Cardassians doing Cardassian stuff.
2: Well, and that's it we've all I've often complained about the lack of seeing sort of people outside of the warrior class, but we just hear so much and we have you know, Worf, the Catholic Klingon. Um but with the Cardassians, you know, we do get little glimpses, you know, we've got we've learned about their court system and what a nightmare that is. We have had glimpses from like Garrick talking about, you know, like what did he call them? Not mystery novels, but the like Enigma stories.
1: Right. Like yeah, they we do sound you like you know
2: who did it. Yeah, and the time um Gull David Warner brought his daughter in to see Picard. Like, yeah, it's definitely a very state focused, very rigid culture.
0: They're 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 space Nazis, is really what it is. You know, they're 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 brutally efficient. Yeah, you know everything. You know, it's just a fascist society. Is from everything we've seen, and like what we have seen of the Cardassian culture is, you know, like you say, it's very state focused. Yeah,
2: so. I don't Whereas know. I think the Klingons Klingon politics are fascinating, but people are more dedicated to their houses or their ideas of honor and sort of debt than the state per se
1: I feel like a lot of it is also like there's a lot of Klingon religion that we see like, yeah or, or like or like their equivalent of religion yeah that comes into play a lot like we saw when Alexander went and did that that battle. Reenactment battle, oh thing, yeah,
2: yeah,
0: that
1: kind of. So there's a lot of like that kind of ritualistic stuff on on Quonos, and I feel like, and I I don't know if I, I if there's anything to prove this to prove this, but I feel like Cardassia doesn't have ritualistic stuff like that. They are
0: but, probably atheists, but Bejor certainly does. Oh yeah. yeah, What was
3: that? What was the the ritual that they were doing the time when Majel showed up and made everybody bitchy, horny? Oh yeah, yeah. That
2: was um.
0: The, the gratitude
2: thing. festival. Oh yeah, yeah that too. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, you're right. I do feel like Klingons and Bajorans would be way more compatible cuz I feel like, you know, Cardassians are militaristic but not warriors. I feel like Bajorans, while they don't necessarily have a warrior culture, would get along well with one.
3: Um, yeah. they kind of do. I I mean from the um at least from their past with the sort of resistance fighting and stuff.
2: But yeah, that, that, that's that's a, that's more sort of a recent history forced them into this. Like, you don't get the impression that they're necessarily a, a quote-unquote warrior culture in the way the Klingons no. are, and it, it's not necessarily a huge part of their history. It feels like they were probably kind of chill artisans and scientists. You know, they had their little brass sail ship a few weeks ago. Like, before the Cardassians came along and blew them into the Stone Age, they were, you could probably picture them as just being, like, really chilled out, like, Artist, hippie, religious weirdos.
1: I wouldn't call the Bajorans chilled out ever. I, again, yes, before... They're, they're pretty keyed up. No, uh, again, even but... then, though, because we've seen, we've seen the storyteller village where... Oh, They true. have to yell at a cloud every little while.
2: Which they had to do because they were all too busy killing each other. Yeah. Yeah. Forgot about that.
3: They're dumb. That's, that's a I big hole
2: I... in that theory.
3: I think I forgot that that was Bajor.
2: Yeah, no, totally Bajor.
0: But also, you have to imagine, though, that... As soon as some Klingon found out that the, this planet Bajor had something called the Fire Caves, he was very fucking excited.
3: <laughs> 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 That's true.
1: Anyway, the mm. last thing I wanted to mention about The Visitor was that it was nominated for a Hugo for Best Dramatic Presentation, but lost to Babylon 5.
0: Ooh. Oh,
3: I don't God. know a lot
1: about Babylon 5. Is it any good?
3: Supposedly uh Babylon it five is. people fucking love it and they, they love to do. say how Deep Space Nine is a piece of shit yeah, ripoff. A, a, f- a friend so. of ours
0: that, that that we all know, I don't know if he's a listener or not, but is a big fan and was always telling me to uh that we should that I should watch
3: Stop it. Stop being sheeple and expand your, expand I, w- your I will say I will say Babylon five.
2: I have I actually I do know at least one person who loves both. And isn't hmm. one of those obnoxious like like, he loves both. So, I mean, it probably is good. Although, I do know the one thing Babylon 5 has is they, I think, started right away with CG. Yeah. It's yeah, I remember bad. people saying that.
3: And
0: and it yeah, is I, it I, I, that was the thing that kind of ruined it for me. I couldn't, I could not get past how shitty the visuals were yeah and i know eventually the acting's
2: pretty weak too and at least in the early episodes ds9 starts toying with it eventually and it's terrible
3: but it's a bad choice don't do that but walter koenig right i was just gonna say our man pavel is in it (laughs) i was literally that was i was like waiting to inch in with that information isn't he a bad guy too
2: easy yeah he's like a recurring villain i think that's That's amazing can you
3: imagine walter koenig don't hurt yourself walter
1: how long is it can we do a 10 forward
3: no, it's, oh it's like five, five or six seasons. seasons. Um, it would no, be like uh
2: can... when we finish Star Trek, yeah. maybe if which we still want to talk to each other.
3: Which will never fucking happen because they're gonna have like three or four shows happening concurrently now. Yeah. Like we well, will never totally, fucking run out of Star uh, I mean, Trek.
0: Unless unless it really surprises me, I have no interest in doing fucking lower decks ever. I don't, want to I don't it.
3: either, but I feel like we have to, right? It, is TAS, so. okay, it
2: can't be worse than TAS.
3: Oh, fuck. Don't say that out loud, dude.
2: Yeah, don't jinx
0: it. It
3: hasn't even started yet. It could be way fucking worse. Eric's could join as a full-time <laughs> staff <laughs> oh member. God. We don't know.
0: Of all all of the voices are done by the corpse of James <laughs> Zewan. Oh, my
1: God. <laughs> oh, they, oh it's just, my it's God. just gas escaping.
2: Jake, they, they
0: cremated <laughs> him, so...
1: Yeah, there's a oh, bit of doing true. in space.
2: That's true.
0: And
1: there's no
3: sound in space, so no one will I be able to I wonder what hear he's doing screaming. up
0: there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, so I'm just checking. There there are five seasons of Babylon Five. Yeah, that's uh, a bit much. That's appropriate. But I
0: don't know. Maybe maybe because it, yeah, it is one of those things that's always kind of been on my list, and uh, it's like it's just it was so hard for me to get into it. So I think I would have to have.
3: A reason, like a, a podcast. reason to, to
0: to to watch it. Just not not saying that it's bad. It's just it it was hard for me to get past the the what I felt was really poor acting in the first few episodes that I tried to watch.
2: Well, I mean, look at the first season
0: of TNG. Yeah, no, but I mean, that's like the level.
3: Look at Terry Farrell four seasons into Deep Space Nine.
2: <laughs> poor Terry Farrell. You know what was... I think
3: too is I was we talked you were talking about the great the great performances that we got from folks. They were really smart to not give her any of that. They were just having her and Julian. Yeah, bigger, she's just gonna like, be old. old times. Oh yeah, <laughs> she's like, yeah, I kept I'm sick getting... of listening to you prattle on. Okay, good yeah. job, Terry. Nice work. I kept here. getting
1: the impression that they were like an old married couple. I'm like, did they hook up? I but can't She's tell. like, no,
0: but but she but she's like, you're always talking about your kids. You
2: yeah, dumb so fucking
3: kids. Fucking science fairs. Fucking. I think
2: I think they fucked at some point, but they are clearly not together. And he has found maybe he went back to that woman he. Uh almost didn't join starfleet for I'm just assuming that
1: the he ballerina? and
0: uh, yeah that he and um O'Brien eventually hook up after after I the don't show's know over. after
1: Hippocratic oath I don't think Julian and O'Brien are going to talk to each other ever again
0: No could be they a love little hate fuck Next up we have the Hippocratic oath which is a oath that doctors take that says not to kill anybody intentionally but we all know that sometimes they do what they got to do. Where are we talking? Oh, Dr. McCoy. Yeah. In um,
1: Where are we going with this?
0: Undiscovered country. Okay. Yeah. You know, he, he killed Gorkon. Oh, well, purpose. he tried
1: to save Gorkon. <laughs>
0: that, that's what he says. I'm, uh, you know, <laughs> General Chang there had, had other ideas. Anyway. Yeah. So in Hippocratic Oath, Miles and Julian are out on a little field trip. And they're in their in their runabout and they're talking about uh, their their Danube class runabout. I oh, I noticed that. Specify they they gave the runabout a class and Eat me to Lo it. and behold, it's a river. I should anyway, just call it out...
1: river class then.
0: Well, I'm well. The class name is usually the name of the first of its. Oh, you're right. You're type, right. so it would make sense that it's a river. Anyway, they're out and about. They detect something. Oh, they're talking about how much O'Brien wishes Keiko. he hates Keiko and wishes. That she was a dude? No weird. It's a weird conversation. Wishes
2: she was Julian.
0: Yes, that's the yeah. one.
1: Which
2: is
0: really what where my comment about them hooking up came from, because yeah. that was obviously where this is headed. But anyway, they're they're out and about and they detect uh some kind of a something or other, and they're like, ooh, maybe it's a ship in distress. We should go check it out. They go to they get to this planet, and then something shoots them down. They land, they get out of the ship and they're looking around, and who should show up? But a shitload of gem hadar. Wah, wah. Back on uh DS9 by the way. Worf's sticking his nose and shit he shouldn't be. He's trying to do like a police investigation, stepping on Odo's toes. Uh squishy, squishy I if Odo toes. actually makes toes inside I was his boots. I'm just
3: gonna ask that. Does he have toes or does he just I don't have know,
0: boots? he's probably just has boot. Yeah, yeah he probably doesn't, he doesn't, even have a, he doesn't even have a foot inside no like just Why solid would you bother? Gut. But that's a topic for another day. Anyway, Worf is there and he, you know, he just can't stop being a cop. So uh, he's trying to get after the Ferengi bartender <laughs> whose name he refuses to learn. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Racist?
1: Sure. Yes.
0: Definitely. Yeah, man. And Odo's like... So that's kind of the B plot. I'm not going to get too much into that. In fact, I'm just going to sum it up right now. Whoa. Fuck it. He keeps doing it. Cisco's like, Wharf, just let Odo do his job. He's good at his job. Well, it turns out that uh, Wharf couldn't do that. He apprehends Quark and some ne'er do well in a in a, uh, in a doing a business uh, illegal business transaction. He arrests tries to arrest him. Then it turns out that it was a setup that Odo was working with Quark to entrap this guy so that he could infiltrate some smuggling ring, and um,
1: as a bag,
0: as a bag. And uh, Worf ends up looking like kind of a dick, and yeah, that's it. Anyway, back in the A plot, what happens? Oh, yeah, so they're captured by the Jemhadar, and um, turns out that uh, the Jemhadar leader, Gorignak, is Sir. um, is like, You're a doctor, eh? Well, I need you to do something for me. I need you to make cure my men of their addiction to Ketracell White, which is the uh, the drug that. The Hadar use or are required to take before or they die. And Julian's like, no, I tried this already with some kid and it didn't work. So no can do. And he's like, but it works on me. Ah! And he finds out that, yeah, Grignac's kind of special. He apparently does not have the addiction to Catracell White. And Julian's going to try to figure it out. So like he actually tries to solve this problem. And Grignac's convinced that it's got something to do with the planet that they're on because he'd crashed there years before without the drug and and it and he it got and he wasn't he didn't die
1: Was it the Baku planet? I bet it was the Baku planet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. They should just go there, fucking Picard jackass. <laughs> Spoiling it for everybody. So his uh his honey can uh stay safe. Anyway, so uh, uh
1: What's O'Brien's reaction O'Brien, to all this?
0: O'Brien's like, "Fuck these guys. We're going <laughs> to stage an elaborate escape." i rigged together a fucking phaser-y thing and we're going to shoot one of them, steal his gun, and then escape. And uh, Julian's like, all right, well, that didn't work. So, you know, they just... they O'Brien keeps trying to escape. Julian actually tries to help. And then in the end, it seems like all is lost because O'Brien has attacked one of them and actually managed to escape himself. But he goes back for Julian. They get captured by Grignac, who's like... Yeah, I should kill you, but I won't because, uh, you know, because I don't, I'm not addicted to this drug. Evidently, my aggression isn't as bad or something.
1: He's wearing the Kira uniform, so he's less aggressive.
0: <laughs> that, there you go. <clears throat> so he ends up letting them escape, and he even goes a step further and kills his second in command for for not really a reason, just to save Julian and, and, uh, O'Brien, which seems like, wh- why even bother letting them escape? Anyway. Whatever. He could, because his men would have eventually, w- when they were starved of the drug, they would have turned on him either way. So I guess he's compassionate towards Julian and, and O'Brien he loves for Julian. reasons. loves Julian. Anyway. Didn't make a ton of sense why, but he did. Anyway, they leave. Oh, but O'Brien had to violate uh, Julian's order. Julian tried to pull rank and found out he's a giant puss and uh, wasn't able to enforce his orders. And uh, O'Brien basically just said "fuck you." And Julian's also, you know, too much of a of a wussy to uh, bring O'Brien up on any kind of charges. So uh, O'Brien's just going to get away with blatant insubordination. Sounds like him and, and the, racism. Not, and racism. And and to top it all off, at the end they even hint that they're not that Julian's not even going to be mad at him for very long because he's like, you well, know, you know, we can play darts in a couple of days. You know, after I've gotten over your betrayal Mm. so yeah there we go hippocratic oaf (laughs) oaf all right so
2: yeah yeah very very disappointed in the sheaf here
1: oh yeah he's awful he's just an asshole this whole fucking episode
3: yeah see
1: julian is actually very likable this episode
3: which is unusual for him it's not really unusual for o'brien to be like an unrepentant racist though so i wasn't totally surprised well, like,
2: you think he would start to learn, because he was starting to learn with the Cardassians back in the yeah, TNG
0: days. At the same time, to give him the benefit of the doubt, he has been captured by the enemy.
1: He's been captured by the enemy before.
0: they're probably going to kill him either way if he doesn't escape.
1: Yeah, but,
2: you know, just the jumping to conclusions that if Julian frees them, they'll just turn into, like, marauding pirates. I mean there's no proof they'll all go the same way as the leader but there's no proof they're going to become you know worse either. That's true.
0: Yeah, you know. And I know
1: like I know like Julian looks at this also from the the point of view of the federation saying, "Oh, if we do free some of them of their of the drug that keeps them obedient to the founders and to the Vorda, have we said said the word Vorda yet? I forget.
3: I, I feel like this is the first time that I've heard the term Vorda. Okay, yeah, but I Vorda genuinely those, don't remember. Are
1: those ribbed eared people? Yes, whom we've oh, met a couple of. Now. Okay, but I don't know if that's clear in this episode who they are. But we'll we'll no, see I a lot more. It, of
3: I honestly thought it was like the proper name for the founders. Ah, like no, I was actually no. really confused. So I'm glad that you um, oh yeah clarified that.
1: Yeah, that does make a little bit of sense because they do claim that they've never seen the founders before, which I find interesting. Yeah, That they never have to see changeling folks, whilst well, they still do know all
3: about them. They might, they just don't know it. I liked the line that they had about, you know, uh, it sounds similar to how other cultures have gods, but our gods aren't waiting for us after death, or something yeah. like... It was something that was like a really that. good I, line. I wish I'd written it down, but I really thought that was interesting.
2: Yeah.
1: Our gods are getting us addri- addicted to drugs.
2: Like, they know theirs exist, but... It's the reverse of most sort of religions where it's like, hey, if you do all these things, maybe there's an eternal reward afterwards. Whereas this is like, your gods exist and they want you to die for them and that's it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And if you don't do that, we won't give you the drug that they made you dependent on, so you'll just die anyway.
2: In
3: horrible, horrible, agonizing pain.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, so it kind of does make sense that Goranagar... Garanagar it's, is... It's um,
3: literally pronounced just like it's spelled.
0: <laughs> uh, but I don't know how it's
3: spelled either. In oh, it's chat. in the chat. I've been looking at it this whole time, which is why oh. I've been like, why is Jake mispronouncing it so much?
1: Because Jake likes to make up words.
3: No, I mean, mm. I know that.
1: Yeah, It, okay. it oh. is
2: kind of a bad name, though. Why? Right, so anyway,
0: Garanagar... It kind of does make sense, though, that he's a little softer than the other ones, because if the other ones have basically if if part of the thing that keeps the gem hadar in line and following orders is the fact that they're dependent on the drug that he is not dependent on the drug takes away that need to be you know like so a brutal. soldier yeah, yeah he's the
1: only one who thinks for himself basically yeah the other ones only think of i need to be on the drug
0: yeah and if it's been 4 years since he's needed the drug so i'm guessing the missing piece here is you know he crash landed on that planet He was without the drug for a period of time, found out that he didn't actually need it, and then was rescued, evidently, and was put back in charge of a different troop. Yeah.
1: And continued not taking the drug, evidently.
3: Well and didn't Julian say that it appeared that his body was producing it, but he couldn't figure out how?
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's almost surprising.
3: So go ahead, Chris.
2: I was it's it's kinda surprising they didn't kill him when they found him. That's true. Like you think they'd have been like, oh, this is a weird aberration. Get rid of it.
3: Yeah, this l- this looks like evolution. It. He has to go. We don't yeah. want that.
0: Maybe maybe he, I don't know, because they would have known. Or, I don't know, maybe not, though, right? Maybe he just told them that he had been taking the drug.
2: Yeah, maybe. And maybe he and, like was faking the shakes when they showed up. Yeah,
3: who
0: knows?
1: Yeah, all we do know is that he has told his group there, like, I'm going to get you all off the drug. I think I assume he's told them that.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, they know why he, they're there. Because at the beginning, at the beginning, they were all in withdrawals. So clearly, right. he thought that the way to do it was just to not give it to them on this yeah. particular planet
1: to like wean them off. Like he kind like he said he had enough for three days that he made last what eight days or something. Yeah, by by stretching it out.
0: So yeah, maybe he thinks there is some way to to get off of it being on this planet.
1: So assumably, the rest of the people in his and his uh, rogue team here also want to be off of it and also want to think for themselves. Except for maybe his second-in-command, Arak Taral, who just seems like an asshole.
2: Yeah. I mean, they all definitely want to be off of it, but... Like, I feel like if any of them would, in fact, go on to maraud as the chief fears, it would probably be the second. The rest of them we really don't know enough. I mean, I guess we did have that Jem'Hadar kid who, you know, as they point out, was just like, so just naturally warlike and aggressive. And you kind of wonder, is it whatever aberration that causes uh, the leader there to, to not need the white also maybe makes him naturally less likely to, you know.
1: Are you talking be... about the kid from the abandoned?
2: Yes. Okay. Thank you. I couldn't think of the episode title because they do briefly. Yeah, they talk about him. That's why they bring up Odo and the founders. But yeah, I don't know. It's. I feel, I, I feel like they want it to be sort of a an almost, it's almost the DS9 take on the Hugh question.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's, that's
2: what true. it reminded me of um, a lot of Hugh. But I feel like, you know, whereas that is maybe a little more like, you could kind of come down on either side. I feel like with this one, it's a little more naturally just like, you know, I'm I'm with, I'm with Julian here.
1: Yeah. I but. mean, I was, al- I was already on Garan Agar's side because I know who the actor who plays him was uh, Scott McDonald, who had previously played Tosk.
3: No shit! Whom okay, we all love. When they showed up, I actually thought, because cause you sort of see them in darkness at first, I actually wondered if it was a bunch of hey. Tosks. And I was like, how is that possible? What is happening? No, he's great. He's And he's also
1: great at being like this monster thing, so.
0: Yeah. And we all, so you talked about how Tosk was kind of a proto Hadar. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he really is.
3: In fact, um, I think you said that, Jake, and I now am wondering if it's because you remembered that he would be in this episode. No, I actually
0: did I didn't know I didn't even know the name said it. I didn't know. I like, didn't he's know. He's under the same so actor. much
1: makeup that it's hard to tell, but when you know, you're like, Yeah, you're doing all the all the great under lots of makeup acting that he's good at.
2: Yeah, which well, is Well you
1: that's, would think
2: that that that's tricky. So like finding someone who can act through makeup is, is especially for a show like Star Trek, you keep them in the Rolodex.
3: Mm. I was going to say that you would think that O'Brien would be totally down <laughs> with right? Garanagar knowing that, knowing that it's the same guy.
0: Yeah. What's interesting is he has very expressive eyes, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what helps. He's kind, he's kind of got a little bit of that Robert O'Reilly thing going.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to ask if it was in a Gowron way.
2: <laughs> um. It's interesting, though, because, of course, like... It 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 begs you know it does show off sort of how both these men sort of entered Starfleet right like Julian clearly you know he went through the academy he went through the medical school component and all this and he went through you know he's relatively young he's only recently graduated he's only been there for like a period of peace whereas the chief enrolled during wartime and so like you kind of you know it's like.
3: Well, and their paths their paths were totally different too, right? Yeah. Like Miles is like an enlisted man versus yeah. you know going through the medical school and
2: and getting- and that you know the Cardassian War definitely fucked some people's heads up. Um, I mean, just look at Captain Maxwell. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you know Starfleet is all about preaching their things about you know you know diplomacy and and uh, tolerance this that and the other thing, but. They've always, they're have always they always going to have this little cache of angry soldier boys ready for when the shit hits the fan, but, you know, you think you would want, you know, to like, you need to be ready to defend yourself, certainly, in a universe where not everyone's necessarily going to want to talk, but you still think you'd want your soldiers to be a bit more compassionate, but they don't seem to be trying to teach them that.
0: Well, I also, see, that's the thing. I think, I think you, in this episode, I think that makes this compelling is that you have two extremes. You have... Yeah. You know, Miles, who is as you say, you know, he's kind of a shoot first, ask questions later kind of guy. Yeah, and very uh,
1: stubborn about being that kind of guy.
0: Yeah. Whereas and then you have Julian who has this fucking savior complex and who just like just like with uh what was her fucking name? The the wheelchair lady? Malora. Malora, where like he's just convinced uh that he can save people and yeah. like you know and that see, he, he's got no limits
3: see that one to me is different because i feel like it's almost like at some point he took like a follow-up course on ethics <laughs> because what he did with melora was like really kind of fucked up in my opinion
2: yeah he wanted to screw her
3: well, that too, but there I mean, was, it wasn't just that. Did. Like, I feel like it was like he wanted to screw her and then he also decided that he was going to make the decisions about yeah how her life should be and was going to experiment on her and all this stuff. I feel like in this case, it's like, I feel like, I don't know if we've talked about it on this show before, but the idea that like science without the humanities means you have a mad scientist that has no, has no moral or ethical issues, like- that kind of Jurassic Park thing of Ooh. you were too busy asking if you could do it, you never stopped to think if you should. And yeah. I think Julian has made a switch from like previously asking, can I do it, to should I do it? And I think, you know, I think it's actually an interesting development for the character. Yeah. yeah
0: that's a good well, I mean, he's definitely it. got a lot more depth than he did.
3: Well,
2: I think it, it makes sense in a way that this could be his arc because, like, he is the youngest doctor we've had. And presumably, if you become a physician, You know, especially in in the world of, um, you know, the the Federation, the, what's the word? You know, it's a post-scarcity society, you know? So, like, there isn't necessarily that appeal of, not that this is why all people do it, but some people, you you get into medicine, it's like, ooh, I'm going to be a surgeon or something and make the big bucks working on the heart or the brain or like if you're going into medicine it is strictly for love of the science or for saving people so I'm sure to an extent any doctor is going to have a savior complex but years of you know training and work and losing people and this and that eventually like tempers it so you're a little less like gung-ho and obnoxious whereas this guy you know Julian as we know is still relatively new so he's still got that sort of youthful exuberance for I can save everyone!
1: Oh yeah, it's that frontier idealistic doctor kind of guy.
2: Yeah, so to see those sort of edges smoothed out, you know, the sort of... Like you said, Caitlin, that's a really good way to put it, being like, can I versus should I sort of thing. He's learning.
3: And we sort of saw this with Burial, too, right? Like, he, he definitely, in my opinion, pushed maybe a little further than he should have. But he also then said, I know when to call it quits. We probably are past that, but I'm not going to do anything else.
2: Well, so I think not... t- he even was like, really didn't want to go on as much as he did. But yeah. he had Beryl saying, do it. And it's like, Ugh. when the patient well, says do it, it's like, technically, I think as a physician, you could override them. But
0: well, yeah, and I wonder th- where that limit is, like that, that Hippocratic oath of between, you know, do no harm and the patient wants it done.
3: Well, I've honestly heard that some people will have limbs amputated for, like, no reason. And assuming that that's correct, I don't know if it's... fun, or what? Uh, I don't know. I've just heard... I I will have to, like, I hope this is actually legit and not just some shit that I saw once, because I'm trying to remember, like, where I heard about it or where I would have even, like, seen something like this.
0: It's gotta be some fetishistic Thing. yeah there it actually, must be right like that's there, what i'm thinking else? too there was a, people with like castration fetishes that had to like get their balls chopped off
2: there was actually Ugh. a non-sexual case some years ago i don't remember the details exactly but there was a guy who like he knew someone who was in an accident and lost their arm that way or part of their arm and got a prosthetic and he was like shit that prosthetic's better than a real arm ah. And found a doctor. He had to go somewhere sketchy as fuck. Who, like, was like, yeah, sure, I'll take that off for you. I don't see. I mean. I Our know. prosthetics are not that good yet. I don't know what he was thinking. Yeah. I also can't like,
3: imagine insurance is covering that. So he oh, must no, be sure like a fucking didn't. rich eccentric as well. But yeah, like, so like there, there's imagined. a difference between. Shaving your head to support your friend who's going through chemo and being like, I'm gonna lop this fucking thing off. What do I need that for? But I bet what
0: you could do, like if you put a really tight tourniquet on your arm, you could cut off the blood flow and have and for if you did it for long enough and if you could stand the pain, you could probably make your tissue in your arm die yeah, and then it would necrify. have to be removed but Necrotize. i
1: also this think this has gotten to a horrible place yes I it
2: also, has th- i'm th- just trying to say that there, there there has been at least one case and it sparked a huge ethical debate and i don't really know what came of it
0: yeah but i would say like yeah i know prosthetics are now very impressive and you can do a lot of things with them that you couldn't do but they're still not better than the real thing
3: you, you, guys mean, you, guys you, imagine can't have
0: feeling that's terrible i wouldn't want i wouldn't want that i mean no if, if i if i had if i had to lose an arm so be it, but I don't know if I'm going out of my way to do it. Yeah, I'm just I mean, imagining
3: this guy used to really like to play that game with the knife, you know, where like, oh you're trying to yeah. hit your fingers. Right, I right, mean, right. I'll never fuck that up and feel it again. And I'm going to bring I...
1: this back. I'm going to bring this back because this is getting right, right. Yes. Yeah, uh, the thing I was going to mention, like, so, so Bashir, in his, you know, idealistic I can save the world kind of way, the thing is, like, saving these, these Jem'Hadar from their addiction is also incredibly advantageous to the Federation. So there's also kind yeah. of a dual side. Like, not only is he, you know, Hippocratic Oath, you know, do no harm. It's also, if I do this, we could, you know, win the war.
0: Well, yeah, because if, if you could make, like, a treatment, then, you know, especially if you could find a way to deliver it to the Jem'Hadar, then, and if they're no longer dependent on the founders for their drugs they might mutiny, you know? Yeah. Especially
3: because they, at least from what we get from Garan- Garanagar, that they're, like, ostensibly enslaved, right? Like, you would feel like yeah. if they had the option. But that's what I'm surprised that O'Brien didn't understand. Like, O'Brien's not very bright.
2: Well, I think, again, O'Brien is thinking mostly, because he even brings up, you know, again, the kid from The Abandoned, where it was like, he was just, that kid was programmed to want to kill and yeah. O'Brien doubts that that programming can be broken. I think he thinks Garanagar, not just his addiction or lack of addiction, is an aberration, but probably his his temperament even is possibly signs that everything about whatever went into making him was wrong. And you know, whereas Julian is willing to say, "I think they could all become a nice person if we got rid of the addiction." O'Brien's thought is, no, no. I think they're all programmed to kill, and Garanagar is a weird exception.
3: Well, he also yeah. like wants to like save his friend because that too, you know, yeah. what I mean? like he sees he sees where it's going. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. I think that he's well. I think before we see Garangara- Garanagar, Jesus. Now I can't say it right. <sighs> At the end, we see that. Garanagar, like, has this mercy moment and lets them go, yeah. but prior to that, like, there's no real reason to assume that O'Brien's not totally correct, that they're just gonna fucking kill him anyway. Well, he saved that yeah. guy
1: that had the busted knee. Well, yeah, that was a big moment in the episode where Julian sees himself not just as a prisoner being forced to, you know, study medicine for of, of this thing, but seeing his host as worthy of saving.
0: Yeah. I but mean, the, the, I think that that's Right there, that that little scene with the broken leg thing was important because it does show the difference between Garanagar and the others. Yeah. Uh, in that one of the, I think one of the traits of the Hadar that we really see in this episode, and I think we'll con- continue to see, is that they are communal. They are. Yeah. Like, they don't, they have no, there is no in- sense of self. There's no individuality, really. You know, not in the sense of like the Borg, where they have a singular mind, but where, in the sense that they don't look at themselves as individuals, as people, they look at themselves kind of like TOSK as commodities.
1: Yeah, like the and the guy, as he's you know got his knee busted up, a very easily fixable thing, says, "Nope, kill me because then it would be more catch yourself for the rest of you if I die because it's not worth saving me."
0: Yeah, yeah, like- which is like you know you can't imagine. I mean, I guess in war maybe you would you would see. People, you know, sacrificing themselves for the good of their their unit, but yeah, that just seems like how they act. Like it's like, hey, oh, I stubbed my toe. Guess I'll die.
2: And the other thing too is like, we don't necessarily know how quickly, if 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 they all could have a personality shift, we don't know how quickly it would happen. Because of course, Garanagar has been not actually needing Ketrissel White for several years now, and we don't know exactly, you know, how long it took him to become sort of the philosopher Jim Hadar.
1: Yeah, and some yeah, of it will also true. be, now that they have kind of a a leader figure who's been through this, who can, like, guide you through the process, who can, like, nurture the the independence in you where he didn't have that. He just yeah. figured it out on his own. Like, oh, fuck, I don't need this? The founders are assholes? Oh!
2: Yeah, we're, and, like, I think that's sort of the only, that's sort of one of the flaws of Julian's perspective. Again, I am still on his side, but, like, I think he's under the impression it'll be, like, flipping a switch. And it's like, Mm. I don't think it will be. No. I think even once you get them off the white, they're gonna need time. You know, they have literal genetic programming and years of indoctrination that they're gonna have to get over. And we don't... Because, again, Goranagar doesn't say how long it took him to make that shift. You know, I don't think it was probably as simple as, oh, I don't need the white. My whole perspective has changed. It was probably... I don't need it, and he had time to kind of sit and stew on it.
1: The other These people problem... will have the support of the rest of them, though, which will be different, too, though, I, mm. is my... Um,
2: yeah, that's true. That's true. But even so, it, it you wouldn't necessarily, you know... You could still have one or two go rogue and be like, yeah, we're yeah. cured. Now let's kill that doctor guy.
3: Eh. Well, I I was Well, like I was thinking the other problem is that if they find a cure for the addiction, then that just might mean that they're able to more effectively be out and about fucking shit up longer, too. Like, if you don't need to go back home to get more drug, theoretically, you could go on longer rampages, maybe. I don't know.
2: Or you hook up with the Klingons. They seem like fun. (laughs) Yeah,
0: they'd be be friends.
3: Hey, speaking of Klingons, Yeah. Can we talk about how every new motherfucker on the space station tries to take Odo's job? (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Every fucking time. Worf, keep your nose out of it. Odo has yeah, his reason, but
0: this time it did, I, I, I liked that they did this B plot because a it does two things. It's two things, right? A it, it highlights that Worf used to be a cop and he's very much still of that mindset, and he in like, but it's and, and then it's also showing us how his new job is different. And I think yeah. it does. And I think it it helps because I think when you when you have Worf join the cast. Your initial thought as a viewer is, okay, well, the, he and Odo are kind of, you know, they kind of have the same job. Yeah, like he and well, Tasha kind of the same that. job. Yeah, and it didn't work. They had to get rid of one of them, yeah. really. Or, you know, I feel like if they hadn't have killed off Tasha, they would have had to give Worf a different job to do. Right. Anyway. So what
1: is, what is Worf's job right now? Because I think I'm still unclear on what he's, his role is.
0: They say that he's the strategic... Something operations yeah, strategic
1: he, operations
2: responsible for helping coordinate this sector's response to the klingon threat yeah. yeah so basically he's he's,
1: as fuck. basically
2: he's just a tactical officer now no security part but involved. not but not like
0: i i don't think not even tactical though like he's i don't think he's the guy launching no that's true photons i think he's the guy that's like Planning where to position ships. Yeah, he's
2: reading like a that. lot of reports these days and writing a lot of reports. That doesn't seem very wharf.
1: It sounds no, like he would hate this job.
2: Boring as fuck.
1: Why did he come back?
2: <laughs> well, I think he also
0: is expecting that he might get some battle. Yeah. True. Yeah.
1: Be away from Alexander. That's always great.
0: Mm, uh, that's far, always the far a the away you can get from that kid. The better. Definitely. Be
1: racist to Quark whenever he wants.
2: True. Mm.
1: Yeah, I did read that like never in the series does Worf call Quark by name. He really? only refers to him as the Ferengi bartender. In the
0: whole series or in this episode?
1: I I read that this starting with this, this is what he refers to Quark as. Oh. I don't know like there there might be instances, we'll have to see as we go forward, but they made a choice like this is what Worf is going to call Quark. And well, I I, I feel like it's... that's really a weird choice because it makes Worf like a little bit I don't know. He like he's not seeing Quark as an individual.
0: I mean, is he? Ugh. I, I guess like the question is: Is he racist towards Ferengi's, or is he contemptuous towards Quark? Why not
3: both? I well, mean, I was it could say, be both. It's definitely the latter because I mean, we, I guess... we
0: already know. Like, Worf is an established racist. Like, he refused to give blood to save the Romulan. The Romulan. The Romulan.
3: Guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I like he's, all about that.
0: He's, he is, like, that is a character trait of Worf that has been well known for a long time. God
3: damn it, we don't have room on this space station for two flagrant racists.
2: <laughs> well, I think we'll have to see, and I don't remember how much, if any, we get. We'd have to see his interactions with Rom and Nog to see if it's sort of a unique to Quark thing or if it's a Ferengi issue.
1: Yeah, that'll be interesting. It's something I want to keep an eye out for because, you know, seeing Worf, you know, finding his place on this station, which is going to be very different from his place in the previous series, obviously, but also his relationships with everyone are going to be entirely different.
2: You know? mm, yeah. Like, yeah.
1: Like, he already doesn't seem to, like, see Odo as a peer, really.
2: Yeah, well, that, and that's all. These Starfleet people always doubt Odo when they first come mm, in, like Caitlin yeah. said. It's like, they're kind of douchey. Yeah, but I, I think
0: you'll have a little more respect for him after this incident.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. I will say, uh, you know, I can—I actually weirdly could sort of relate, though, because I remember when I first got promoted at my job, like, you know, the new people, the replacements, they, they'd ask for help, and I'd have to like keep myself from just doing it for them. Mm. I was like, "Got my own shit to do here." Like, they they wouldn't ask me to do it for. They just ask for a bit of help, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, this." One, and then, and then, and then yeah, I'll write the email. It's like it's hard you know, to know, let stop. go
3: of something you used to have ownership of. I yeah, that's, that's natural. But like,
2: so that admittedly was kind of funny because it was a very real feeling thing.
3: Yeah, I keep watching this and feeling
1: like, what was the episode where if someone had just told somebody else the plan, something wouldn't have gone horribly awry?
2: Oh gosh, uh, so many All times. The time? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. True. And you keep wondering, like, why Odo doesn't just tell Worf this, you know, his actual plan. But that's not Odo's job to tell Worf any of his plan. It's also
2: not Odo's style. Yeah, no, he doesn't, you know, the new guy doesn't trust him. He doesn't quite trust the new guy, you know? Yeah.
0: I mean, the problem obviously could have been avoided if. And I feel like Odo should have realized that, like, maybe I should just tell Worf because he's going to keep fucking the shit up if I don't tell him. Yeah, but
3: we know that Odo really doesn't react well to Starfleet fuckfaces questioning his job and or getting involved in it oh yeah no well, exactly it, that's
2: why I say it's not really his style when yeah. he also admitted he was kind of using Worf's own investigation as part of the thing you know he was like hmm. eh, it'd be more convincing like he probably realized that because Worf is like a bull in a china shop his stuff would be more obvious and that's maybe what would have the guy looking over his shoulder while Odo could be all
1: I'm a bag yeah yeah true Was Quark in on
2: it? Yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah, I read that he was. I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have really noticed. Maybe there was a line I missed that explains that Quark was in on it. But I did read in my book that Quark and Odo had put this together.
2: That that hadn't occurred to me, but it does make sense. Like once Jake said it, I was like, oh yeah, because like otherwise Quark would have been in deep shit for buying it,
1: right? And he does
2: try to sneak off with it. Like he does try to. And I was like, Quark, Quark. So yeah, they had (laughs) the episode. Did not make it clear they were a team Includes. on this one. Yeah. yeah
0: I w- I was pretty sure of it just because at, you know, I think the line that made me think of it was when Quark was like, so can I get back to running my business, please? Can you get the fuck out of here? So I, you know, like, Oh, I missed that. Like, like that he knew helped. that there was going to be this thing. And, you know, he was kind of reluctant, probably Odo blackmailed him into, yeah. g- you know, going along with this thing.
2: I wonder what it is about these crystals that may, like, are they a drug? Are they like easily weaponized? Also,
0: Oh, man, did they fuck up because the bag was supposed to have latinum in it?
2: Yeah. Right? Yeah, it, even like when at one point it was like put down or dropped and it made like a clink sound.
0: But when Odo melted, mm. was there any latinum
2: on the table? He absorbed it into himself just to fuck with Quark.
0: Yeah, Quark's like, wait,
1: maybe. Wait,
2: where's my fucking
0: latin?
1: It's in a subspace. Pocket. <laughs> subspace, where Cisco
3: was last episode. Cisco uh, comes he's down. just sitting there and suddenly he gets hit in the f- head with Latinum, he's like, Oh, what the fuck where is this?
0: So like either either the bag didn't have Latinum in it at all and it was just Odo pretending to be Latinum, but then if the guy took out the Latinum to look at it or inspect it, it would have turned into goo.
3: Yeah. Yeah, as no, soon it, as it, it separated from it the was bag. full of
2: Latinum and Odo just ate it. Yeah, I think you're probably right. <laughs> oh, oh, you want your Latinum back? And then he just does like I don't know, he just like Pulls it out of his mouth one piece at a time, just to screw uh, with Quark.
3: Like a magician's trick.
2: Yeah, he's like, I know you know I don't actually have a digestive system, but you're still kind of grossed out by this anyway.
3: Hey, Quark, what's that behind your ear?
1: <laughs>
3: oh, <laughs> anything can fit back there. Those ears are so big.
1: Also, in the in the wharf side of things, we we get a good glimpse of Cisco's clock. Yes. Yeah, he was he's playing still with his playing clock. the clocks. I was happy to see it. It's such a great Me clock. Too. It is. I love
2: that. Yeah, at point. first,
0: I almost didn't recognize it because it was it was from the side view. Yeah, and I couldn't. But I was like, mm, but because uh, you couldn't see the rings very well in the initial shot. But. Yeah.
2: Still good. So he's still tinkering with it.
3: Yeah, I had actually had a note to ask if this was the clock or yeah. a new clock or what was this thing?
1: Well, after after watching Jake die last episode, he needed Oof. something to set his mind to.
0: Seriously. Even that still possessed by aliens. Well,
1: that's... That that's, would explain.
0: Yeah.
2: That's
1: why he acts so weird. <laughs> One of my notes, Miles wishes Keiko was a man, and I wish this conversation wasn't happening.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I did like uh, Julian making up an out for his friend, though. That was pretty funny. What was the out? No, no. You want your workshop in the bedroom because you associated with her so intimate. You're not trying to live like a bachelor. You're trying to be closer to her when she's not
1: there. Yeah, I disagreed with all of that. You
2: want to fuck your
0: workbench? <laughs> um, Seriously, Yeah, but really, don't... why would you have a workbench in your bedroom? Yeah, uh, he's been living
3: weird. that bachelor life for a while. I mean, the thing she's is, she's been though, away he's for a so giant long. Giant
0: quarters. Why didn't he just turn? What's his daughter's name? Niles?
3: Molly. <laughs> Miles, <laughs> Molly,
0: that's right. Uh,
3: Miles and Niles O'Brien. <laughs> yep. no, um,
0: Molly. Why well, didn't he turn Molly's bedroom into his workshop?
3: Maybe she could marry Ryan Styles, and then she'd be Niles Styles.
0: Or maybe he, what he could do is convert that uh, shuttle bay or that uh, cargo bay that Cisco tried to give him into his workshop. You know, the, when oh, when, that
2: was going to become an arboretum.
0: Yeah, and that
2: ungrateful. <laughs> Keiko was like,
0: nah.
2: No, she didn't say no. It was uh, Julian who pointed out why it was a bad idea. That's true. He was like, you're you're asking her to turn her career into a hobby. Mm. See, Julian's there for him. That's true, he is. Yeah, but but
3: it's not unusual for a guy to try to play to his crush's problems in his relationship to try to sneak in there. Like, he's acting like his friend and confidant, but he's actually just being the good friend so that when Keiko and Miles break up, he's the first person that... That O'Brien he, comes crying to.
0: He's trying saying. he's trying the look he the, the no, friend zone thing. They right?
2: are just friends. He is not cheating on Garrick. <laughs>
3: mm. <laughs> Maybe it's not cheating. They could have an open relationship. We don't know. Yeah, come on. As, it's the future. That's yeah, that's, that's true. It with it.
0: I don't know. So obviously, aside from the whole ethical situation with the Jim Hadar and the conflict between Miles and uh and and O'Brien. I mean Miles and <laughs> Niles. <laughs> Niles. <laughs> He actually is a little bit Nilesy, isn't he? He's got that accent. Mm. Um,
3: He's secretly lusting after his father's British care aide, there you Julian. Go. Yeah, yes.
0: But anyway, uh, I think the bigger issue, or not the bigger issue, but the the more the more important issue that this sh- that is was established here is the chain of command, right? Yeah. And how you know we never there are really You never call really Jellico. see people in <laughs> Star Trek pull rank on each other like that. Not often, um, no. And but when we do, it's kind of jarring because you're like, well, but but they're friends and you know they work together and, and we always see and you know Starfleet people work together to solve their problems. They don't they don't fight and pull rank and
2: especially you know, not the doctors. threaten with court martial. Like you feel like with the doctors they almost just have a rank So you know They feel special. Hmm <laughs>
0: Well, he does feel special.
2: Like, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter, because they have that special, you know, like, they don't really need the rank, because it's their, it's their title that's more important. They have that special, I'm the doctor, I can pull you off duty thing. <laughs> duty.
3: True. <laughs>
2: but yeah, so it is. It is, you're right, it's weird in general, but it's doubly weird when it's one of the doctors being like, I outrank you, and it's like, I mean, technically, but... I mean,
1: he still, he still came up through starfleet in all this stuff he still went through the academy and
2: yeah yeah it's still just it's always weird He's,
1: they probably still have all the basic training that they give you
2: oh totally totally it just it, it to me it always feels like their rank is secondary to their position okay. i mean with we've doctors. seen
1: we've seen bev take the take control of the enterprise before
2: yeah she's a she's a commander that's right that's right there's a
1: fly it into a sun like yes. you
2: do. yeah yeah I mean fuck if if fucking Diana can can
1: Crash onto a planet,
3: a, yes.
2: <laughs> you know, can get um night shift duty. Yeah. I don't feel like that's something Julian's really looking for.
3: No.
0: No, but as you know, he's what, a lieutenant yes. nominally,
2: so yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean he does definitely on paper outrank O'Brien. Yeah. O'Brien yeah. ultimately resorting to the Kira method, which is well. I, I just—I uh, when he blew up Julian's workbench, I thought at the time Kira blew up that guy's kiln. Oh, his yeah, his kiln.
3: Oh yeah. yeah now I mean, you O'Brien
0: kind of did, you know, because he also sabotaged the transporter thingamabob so
2: that he could escape.
1: Then he went into the woods like he was pl- like he was in Home Alone and rigged up a trap.
2: Oh, and yeah, that—that's that, one thing I forget. Forgot the. Uh, It was a clever trap, but then the Foley was a a big...
1: dumb-looking trap.
2: Yeah, I was going to say,
0: like, it's like... But it worked. He he placed the tricorder like it was going to explode or something, and that's what I was expecting. No, just a branch comes and swings out and knocks the guy out.
2: And then it had, like, comedy Foley thunk. Oh, no. Like, they might as well have had the Jim Hadar do the fucking Wilhelm scream when he went down.
3: (laughs) Oh, my God, I I wish they would (laughs) have.
0: I wonder why he didn't just... So, he went back to get Julian at the workshop. I wonder why he didn't just transport him onto the runabout.
2: Maybe his little move there broke the transporter. It was like a one-use no, thing. No, but
0: he used the transporter himself to escape.
2: That's what I mean, but maybe that, like, whatever he did, like, there was enough for one go, but then he was going to shut down the power system, or I don't know. Maybe. They only have transporters when it doesn't make the plot too convenient or something.
0: So the the Jim Hadar would be so easy to fuck up or not even fuck it up. It would be so easy to make the Jem'Hadar just another soldiery thing and not make it make it so you don't give a shit about them. Mm.
1: Soldiery thing.
0: You know, like like the Borg. No one aside from Hugh, no one gives a shit about any of the Borgs. Okay, um, so like a faceless right.
1: like a faceless enemy? Yeah,
0: faceless enemy. Okay, yeah, they
2: they could easily have been the stormtroopers of Star Star
1: Trek.
0: Yeah, but they definitely go out of their way on this show to humanize the Jem'Hadar.
2: Well, I think it helps that, you know, so far we've had a few direct conflicts, but then early on we had the Abandoned, mm-hmm. and now, again, we've seen them a bit here and there in the field, but now again we get a good, chunky episode like this, where we meet, I've forgotten his name, the it's
0: Commander. In
1: the it's in the chat. Garragnar.
2: Hold on. But they also
0: make it so... Oh God, that's uh, how we're it's We're also spelled? shown that, like, they have... A lot of knowledge. You yeah, know, like they're briefed on what Starfleet rank insignia yeah. represent. Yeah, and, and, color. What the, and what the the color of the uniforms mean.
2: And uh, there was that early episode where one was like, man, I really want to meet a Klingon. Hmm. Yeah. Like so they're they're, like, are...
0: they're serious soldiers.
2: Yeah.
1: Really want to see a cat.
2: <laughs> I've heard they're assholes. They seem nice.
3: <laughs> they seem to also know a lot about. Like, even just these guys seem to know a lot about the personnel on Deep Space Nine. Or maybe they just know Odo's name. I don't know, I feel like we've we've
1: established that the the changelings are everywhere. Yeah. So I'm sure there's a ton of intel that is just being delivered amongst the entire Dominion of, like, here's all the stuff we know, which is literally everything, because we're everywhere.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: Because I just wouldn't expect... Like, most just, like, field soldiers necessarily to be up on that. But I guess he's not, because he's, like, the leader of a battalion.
2: Well, but also that's that's maybe part of what makes the Dominion so effective, is they make sure that their frontline people know a lot of this stuff. Mm. Like, on the one hand, yes, they are unfortunately enslaved, but on the other hand, they have a huge knowledge base.
3: That's fair.
1: Any, uh, any other notes on, on our Hippocratic Oath? Which, again, I, as I, went, I mentioned earlier, was directed by René Aubergenois. Just
3: that I'm as pleased by Julian's progress as I am disappointed by The Chief. Mm-hmm. And that I look forward to getting past this, I learned a valuable lesson today, Worf. Mm. <laughs> Seeing him as, like, part of the cast and not just, like, sticking yeah. out like a sore thumb. Well, he yeah, still... We really,
2: st- really hasn't well integrated yet. We still so new. it's, like, what, his third episode...
3: Though, actually, speaking of that,
1: he was he even in the visitor?
2: I think he was seen very the briefly. Okay, saying like you really should go, Jake.
3: Yeah, you're <laughs> right. It would be prudent of you. Yeah, and I guess I wasn't feeling very prudent that day. That's whatever. right. That's right. The only other thing I thought was interesting was when Kira like joins him at the table for like no reason, and I kind of wondered if. I don't know, because I feel like Jadzia was definitely being a little boy crazy about him. Was this their attempt to make Kira more bo- a little boy crazy as well, or like what do we think the deal was there? Yeah, they probably, probably just
1: wanted. They probably just wanted to show off the new costume.
3: Mm. <laughs> Sounds right. Well, you know she's you know trying. Look to get at how some... approachable I am now. I'm going to go <laughs> befriend the new kid in class.
2: <laughs> hey, hey, maybe it's like we were saying earlier. She's fascinated because she feels like her culture is compatible with Klingon culture, and they want to compare notes.
3: And she's heard about those two dicks. You mm-hmm. I mean we could also?
0: I mean, it's it's okay for for a woman to have a conversation with a man. It no, I not know. Be about boys. No,
3: it definitely is. But it also seemed like a weird time where he was like obviously busy doing something. You know what I mean? Like maybe she knew more about what was going on with Odo, and so she wanted to. I don't know. I can make up yeah. all kinds of reasons. And you're right. Of course, they could just be friendly. But it did seem like. He was obviously working. She was obviously intruding.
2: Yeah, normally it does feel like she'd be less she, like...
3: Yeah, she has more tact than this. Yeah,
2: yeah, you're right. It is a little strange. I like to assume that all three of
0: them were investigating Quark at that moment. <laughs> yeah.
3: She does hate Quark. Quark.
0: Anyway, I think that's probably it for this week, Yeah, I think so.
3: All right. Well, if you like what you heard and you want to hear more, A Star to Steer Her By is available where all fine podcasts are sold. You can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook.com by searching for A Star to Steer Her By. You can find us on Twitter and Tumblr as at podcast, or you can visit SSHBpodcast.com. It's just a link at the moment to our Tumblr page, but at some point that might not be true. So, you know, check it out. Maybe we'll all be surprised. Next week, uh, we're going to change it up a little bit. We're going to discuss two episodes of Deep Space Nine. Weird. Uh, those episodes are Indiscretion and Rejoined. Can't wait to see what those are about. Oh, no.
2: Is Rejoined a Dax episode?
3: Sounds like it.
2: It is. Is it going to uh, be
3: that she and Curzon are rejoined? We'll see Sexually. next week. Oh, no.
0: There is... You know, don't, yeah, don't, don't spoil it, Jake. Spe- don't wanna, don't wanna spoil it.
3: Boys! All right. As usual. All right. I have been Caitlin.
2: I have been Jake. This has been Chris.
3: This is always Ames. See you next week. I've got no new rules of acquisition. Sorry. Bye. <laughs>
0: Nobody sponsors us anymore after that, that my pillow incident.
2: <laughs> Ooh, we can get those butt pillow people to uh sponsor oh us.
3: God, what was it called?
2: I do not remember, but I keep getting the ad oh, on Was Facebook. it like
3: buttress or something? Yes,
2: yes. What it's a fuck? it's a it is a pillow shaped like a shapely ladies took us.
3: Because Why would you sit on that? It, it could also I don't be know. a shapely man's tuchus. Oh, What's interesting, though, is that it's popping tuchus. up in
0: your Facebook ads, which means that something in the algorithm suggested
2: that you would like that. I mean, I like a nice tukus, but I'm not some kind of creepy weirdo that needs to sleep on one. And, and Caitlin, to your question, that technically could be true, but I went to the website being like, this can't be real. And no, it's real, and it is definitely supposed to be a lady's bum because it is the most, like, heteronormative advertisement site ever you can also buy a thong for it if you'd like i mean Ooh. if
0: you want to buy a fake ass to fuck they just they make those you can just buy oh, no no there's no a fake hole. ass
1: it is strictly yeah, for well, the, I, I think
0: the idea okay i'm gonna speculate here and oh, that God. the idea is we're that never
1: gonna talk Star this is a this product
0: week. for people fuck. that are too embarrassed to buy the fake ass to fuck so they're gonna buy this pillow and then they're gonna put a hole in it and fuck it maybe They might even put their fleshlight into the hole.
1: Let's, no, 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 no. This is a good week of episodes. Can we actually talk Star Trek and not fill this episode with fucking garbage?
0: We'll start it over. We'll start it Ah. over. Hello, and welcome to A Star to Steer Her By. Brought to you by the Ass Pillow and the Fleshlight, a match made in heaven.
1: God damn it.